0: that we want to prevent our kids from entering these worrisome environments it's that we want to equip them and also give them the language that they know how to handle it
1: christy straub joins us today on focus on the family along with her husband dr josh straub and together they're going to offer some ways and some tools to help your child manage worry in a healthy way
2: thanks for joining us today your host is focus president and author jim daly And I'm John Fuller. John, every child has worries that come and go as part of growing up. I remember being afraid of the dark and, you know, there's just those common childhood fears and those are kind of normal experiences uh, for kids to go through. It's part of life to have that kind of anxiety. In many scenarios, fear is a healthy response. You want your child to know fight or flight, right? You don't want to be in the wrong place without thinking, I better get out of here. So it's not bad. Uh, today, we're going to offer some advice so you can equip your child to manage fear in a healthy way, not to eliminate it. And mom and dad, let me tell you, if you're trying to eliminate fear, you're you're not going about it in the right way. You need to equip your children to manage that fear.
1: And our guests have a great little book called What Do I Do With Worry? And uh, it's a kid's book that has some great principles in it. Uh, It's Dr. Josh and Christy Straub, as I mentioned, uh, they're popular broadcast guests, and they co-founded Famous at Home, which trains leaders in
2: emotional intelligence and promotes healthy families. Josh and Christy, welcome back. It's so good
3: to see you.
0: Thanks for having us. We love to be here.
2: Always an honor. What a great uh, theme. You know, we're we're kind of coming out of a turbulent time with the pandemic and all. And uh, let's start there, Um, that fear that children are feeling right now, generally, Mm -hmm.
3: um, how do you go about parenting that? Yeah, it's a big loaded question. I think, you know, one of the most important factors is being able to look at identifying in your children, maybe um, changes in behavior patterns that have changed over time in your children's behavior. And, and, and this is where we have to become students of our kids mm-hmm. because every child is different and every child manages their emotions differently. For example, you might have some children who just withdraw and they they go into hiding you know it's like they they become more quiet uh other kids might be on the other end of the spectrum and they start acting out and you're you think that it's behavioral you think that they're being defiant you mm-hmm. think that they're uh you know disrespecting you when the reality is is that underneath that there's something deeper going on and then most of us i think in the middle of this is you might just to start seeing you know changes with school changes with the way that they're interacting with their you know uh, peers at school grades uh, the schoolwork and and they withdraw and so there's a lot of different ways but you have to be able to and I think this is where as parents we have to become students of our kids to kind of pay attention to that and in the busy world that we live in we as parents also have those fears so right. you know you're asking how how as parents how do we how do we parent this um, ultimately, we can get to this. I think it starts with us as parents. We have to figure out how to be managing our own fears so that we're not uh, superimposing our own fears onto our kids. Boy, that's so
2: true. Christy, uh, your son Landon was starting a new school, and he wasn't acting like himself. Completely understandable. All the yeah. anxiety of having to... Make new friends, and what will people think of me? I mean, I can get that. I went to seven different elementary schools oh, growing wow. up in six years. So, I mean, so I get that yes. transition anxiety. Yeah. I think it did help me to be more of a people person, ironically, because mm-hmm. I had to make friends. You mm-hmm. know, every year it was yeah. a new class, a new school, and uh, but speak to your son Landon's anxieties. How did how did you figure out what was going on underneath the surface?
0: Yeah, and I think Jim, like just like you're saying. I think often we look at worry as if it's this big, scary thing. Even as parents, we don't want to see it in our kids. Like we want them to walk in, be confident. You know, you know who you are. We're trying to establish, you know, who they are in God and right and and this identity in them. But worry is just a normal part of life. Like Mm. we have to understand, as parents, if we have a fear, anxiety, or a worry script going on in our own heads, when we see it in our kids we feel it magnified. It feels worse to us. For a child, they could just be experiencing a normal fear. Going to a new school, that's a normal worry. Like, And also, it's building in us things like you've just said. You learned how to adapt in social situations. It's not that we want to prevent our kids from entering these worrisome environments. Yeah. It's that we want to equip them and also give them the language that they know how to handle it, and so for Landon, when he started going to the school, we noticed it was it was coming out behaviorally, and so you will see like sometimes and we talk about and what do I do with worry what ifs right where the question always starts is what if and it's where our mind starts spinning, and we go down. You know, the end of the, the road of like, well, what if what if the teacher doesn't like me? Or what if I don't have friends? Or what if I walk in and I, I forget the kid's name? What if I don't have anyone to sit with at the lunch table? And if, if we don't pay attention as parents, y- you start to realize our kids – and so often, I think, their worries are not what we assume them to be. They're right. actually very different than right. the things that we might assume they're worried about. And that's where, like Josh is saying, it's just being a student to be – and to lean in and to just ask the right questions to get beneath it really yeah. because for landon we realized some of those insecurities for him were so i mean it, you almost want to laugh in, in some ways sure. at what some of the, the fears are
2: well and one of the things you're stressing i want to stress even further being that student of your child mm-hmm. um i think that's so critical and in our adult busyness you know we, we can go right by that and we just think it's behavioral and then we respond to that you know go to your room for the next hour or some kind of disciplinary mm-hmm. issue and we're really missing the deeper cry of our child's right. heart yeah and that that then can set you up yeah for a disastrous relationship with your kids because then yeah. they're they're not knowing if they can trust you yeah and even if they can't articulate it, you have to be the adult to say, okay, let's talk about this. What are you feeling? What's going on in your life right now? Yeah. But it takes time to do that. you got to slow down and talk.
0: And I think, too, we can't be afraid of what we're going to find. Hmm. I think so often parents ignore it because we're afraid of what's going on underneath.
2: Well, certainly by age. Yes. I mean, you have that conversation with a teenager. Yeah. It's different than with your five-year-old.
0: Exactly. Let's
2: talk about that. Yeah. What are some of those signs that you see? By age and stage, if I could say it that way, you know, in a five year old, what are signs maybe then a 10, 12 year old and then a
3: 15 year old, you know, in five year olds, uh, you know, preschoolers, you can see it behaviorally, you could see it, you know, as I mentioned earlier, withdrawing, Um, you know, maybe there's some changes in social situations. But as you get up into those 10, 11, 12, and teenage years, what we're doing now is finding is, you know, screens are a major problem as it relates to how we suppress emotion, even as adults. You know, we turn to screens instead of being able to sit with our emotion and be able to experience our emotion, we use screens to numb it out. And I think especially in those preteen years, games, uh, video games for boys, this is generally speaking, but video games for boys typically, and then social media uh, for girls and the idea of building social relationships uh those preteen years are really really difficult years uh for teenage girls trying to find where do they fit in relationships and 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 so if we as parents aren't paying attention or we're just giving them the screen and letting them kind of do their thing we're building a wall between our heart and their hearts
2: right well, that, and that's the next question I wanted to ask you, what our kids see in us as parents, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. You know, sometimes I'm feeling good about that analysis. And <laughs> other times yeah. I'm feeling like, what damage have I done? Yes. Mm-hmm. And in this area of worry, particularly, we as parents can be demonstrating worry without even knowing it, mm-hmm. and our kids are picking up on it. If mom and dad are worried, yes. I should be worried. Mm-hmm. Yes. So speak to that modeling mm-hmm. that, especially as Christians, you know, fear not. Mm -hmm. Um, I give you a spirit of peace. I mean, that's what the Lord's expecting Mm -hmm. out of our relationship, that we have ultimate faith in him to control and be in every circumstance that Mm -hmm. we find ourselves in. But sometimes we fail trusting in that. And then our kids are watching, too.
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, talking about like love, power, and a sound mind, right? But what does a sound mind look like? And obviously, we're not going to get that right all of the time. And I think that's the... The beautiful thing if we can see it through a lens of grace for ourselves. And maybe, you know, even as you're listening, you could probably put yourself on a scale, zero to 10. Well, how big, for example, we're talking about worry specifically today. So for worry, how loud is that volume in your life? Mm. Because for those of us who, it, it's not as loud for me personally. But for those parents who maybe they've struggled with anxiety, it's louder for me. It's I I wasn't gonna like throw you under the bus. (laughs) I was just waiting for you to volunteer that. But um, and yes, and so (laughs) it's true. And so based on that, though, you are going to be so much more heightened to seeing that in your child, and just that's no condemnation. It's just being aware of. So if you're aware that worry is louder for you, just recognize that how you deal with it is. It's not just your personal practice. It's your ability to share that gift with your kids.
2: Oh, and their eyes
0: are wide open. And they're they're watching you. And they're watching you. And you don't have to do it perfectly. Yeah. I remember one time my daughter came home. And again, at least for her and what we often see for girls, social situations, Mm -hmm. for boys as well, but for girls, they're so attuned to social cues, but again, don't have the tools to know how to engage as they're growing up. And so- for her, a lot of worry comes around social situations. And I remember telling her a story when I was in first grade. And I went out to the recess playground and I walked over to this group of girls. I remember it like it was yesterday. They were standing along this fence line. And I walked up and I just thought I would just be able to play with them, you know? And I just walked up and this girl comes out like a bouncer. <laughs> and she says to me, What's on your zipper? I'm like, and I grew up in Canada, right? So we're like wearing coats all the time. So I'm like, on my zipper, what? And so if you didn't have the letters YYK on your zipper, you weren't allowed to play with
2: them. Well, that was the YYK club. Yes. <laughs> I see. And I remember
0: I just like in that moment, like it was the first time I experienced true rejection. Right. And I realized I have no control. Like, I don't set the rules. Wow. There's these arbitrary set of social rules that I don't know. Mm. And someone else gets to tell me whether I'm included or not. And I remember walking away and just that imprinted something on me. So that every time I entered a social situation as a kid, even up through high school, college, even into adulthood, that trigger of that wound is like, mm. do I? I don't know if I'll be accepted here. Wow! And so, if you think about that for our kids, I mean, on the playground, first grade, I, I remember sharing that story with my daughter, and I, it was like her eyes got so big to realize, oh, it's not just me, mm. mom. Mom feels this too. Mom struggles with worry too, and so, and, and we talk about in the book really practical ways that we can release our worry to God. I, We use it like worry birds. You know, when you talk about that feeling that we feel when we worry, where it's like literally feels like your insides oh, are yeah. like flapping around. Yeah. And the, the harder and the and the more we try to control and hold on to that worry, and as adults, we can all identify with this. We try to just like, like iron grip it, right? And it just makes it worse. It's like literally trying to hold on to this flapping bird. And the Lord is just asking us just, Just present it to me. Like just lift it up to me because you can't handle this, but I can. And so I think giving our kids some really practical tools and just language around, are you holding on to a worry bird right now? What what, what might that look like? And if, you know, if a child is – either pre-verbal or just it's difficult to um, put into language you know having them draw something that they're concerned about. Hmm.
2: Josh let me pick up on what Christy was mentioning there. You, you, you experienced anxiety as a child. I hmm. guess the right question is what was going on and speak to that as an adult now and what that was like and what helped you. Yeah
3: and it's interesting because I don't know that I would have identified it um, as worry at the time but at 10 years of age uh, my parents divorced. And I remember my mom coming into the bedroom and, you know, she said, Josh, I'm moving out today. Do you want to stay here with your dad or do you want to come with me? Mm. And, um, wow, that's pressure. Yeah. That's crazy. 10 years old. And I had never seen my parents argue. I'd never seen my parents fight. And so later on that afternoon, you know, there's this exchange in our driveway because my dad comes home and, you know, he's seeing his world come crumbling down. My mom's moving out. And there was an exchange there for me as a firstborn. There was an exchange there where I looked at my dad and I said, I'm staying here with you. And, it, and I didn't say this, but it was as if I was saying, I'm going to take care of you. I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, this is uh, hard. And so as a result, what ended up happening, and then at 19, and today I have an amazing relationship with my mom. She and I have reconciled so much through the years she's incredible incredible grandma and 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 everything but for me having to reconcile that and then at 19 I found out that uh or my dad's second wife left him and she took everything and so I go out you know I'm working landscaping while I'm in college and I go out and I take care of him and buy all the furniture and everything to get him back on his feet and it's like there was this me taking responsibility uh, more than I needed to for other people. Yeah. And that transferred over. I didn't really feel it until we had a family and and uh, I was crashing and burning. I was taking on all these responsibilities and I'd work really hard and then I'd crash and burn. And it was fascinating to me how this pattern, uh, when I entered therapy, Was it took me back to that driveway scene? It took me back to that very moment where I realized all this responsibility I was hanging on to went back to there, and the anxiety that I was feeling about you know making sure everybody was okay and that I was you know it became a people that you were responsible. I was yeah, and and that people were okay with me and that we were, and this anxiety about people will abandon me if I'm not you know dancing Mm. in relationships really well. But even today, this is where parents, I think, we become the most profound therapist for our kids in our home because neurobiologically what's going on is what happens to us the worry that we're feeling is happening in the right side of the brain the left side of the brain is the linguistic language part of the brain it's where we put language to what it is we're experiencing and our ability as parents as christy was saying earlier to get our kids to label what they're feeling to draw what it is they're feeling is what marries the right and left side of the brain together to help them tell their story and 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 paul talks about this in philippians 4 which i think is amazing i mean neurobiologically he understood how our brain worked when he said be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in christ jesus what he's saying there is go to god with your worry mm-hmm with thanksgiving and gratitude that he's going to show up for you Mm -hmm. and label it to him.
2: Well, I I so appreciate the way you're balancing that because some listening are going, okay, you know, we're talking a little bit about psychology. Mm -hmm. They get a little uncomfortable with that. But really, any science is unfolding God's creation. And as Christians, that's how we need to look at it. It's not some mystery. I mean, science will, I think, unfold the truth of God's creation, right?
3: Well, and I think, I mean, this is where I see fear And worry as being a gift, you know, that worry can be used as a way to build intimacy, you know, and scripture says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Worry helps us to understand who we can trust in life. Worry helps us to understand how to be vulnerable with the right people. And if we negate that, the opposite is moving to anxiety, like I was doing, where I'm dancing in relationships, maybe withdrawing, not engaging, not partnering with people because I'm afraid, well, you might hurt me. So we put walls up. Whereas if we can tap into fear in a healthy way and worry in a healthy way, It leads us to intimacy in relationships, Mm -hmm. the awe and wonder of God who's showing up and saying, I've got you. I love you. You have nothing to fear because I am with you. It's the beginning of wisdom as adults, but also we help our children understand Mm -hmm. you can walk in the ways of the Lord and this leads to intimacy. Use your worry in a healthy way and yeah, you're set up for intimacy. Yeah, that's so true. For your
2: life. L- yeah. Let's, uh, we're right at the tail end, but I, let's get into the book a little bit further. Uh, your book's about a little girl named Willow. Uh, give us the overview of the story and what kids will read with their parents when they get a copy.
0: Yeah, well, Willow, she's moved to a new neighborhood, and obviously, as we experience change in our life, it just mounts up a whole bunch of worries, um, and that's normal. If you're afraid for your kids, I think especially with the environment of the world right now and in the examples that we used in the book where she's, her grandma comes in and she's helping her process. She's worried she doesn't know what to wear. Will the kids, um, you know, will they accept her? Will she make friends? And so grandma walks her through, even just sharing her own stories, how to release her worry words to God, how how she can draw and the things that she can do every time she faces a worry, because your life will never be devoid of it. But you have the tools, and really, she walks out, and she's brave.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a great read. And what it does is it facilitates that dialogue yep. and gives you the tools as a yep. parent or maybe a grandparent to be able to know... Uh, kind of the course you're going with your kids. So, you know, there's a purpose and you know where you're headed. Let me uh, bring in, you know, we're in a kind of that post-pandemic or nearly Mm post-pandemic environment. All of the research that we're seeing with the heightened anxiety in children because of what's been happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, do I go to school with a mask, without a mask? And how do I I behave as a third grader? I mean, there's a lot more on children today in a very destabilized environment. Um, I think I read something from the yeah. CDC where anxiety is up in you know significantly twenty five percent of those fourteen to twenty four have suicidal ideation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to be paying
3: attention yeah. to our kids right now because they need us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea of isolating is just—it's not. You know, we were designed for relationship. We were designed for community. Even there's a study out of Brown University that found that you know verbal, social, and cognitive uh, development is being stunted in children born during the pandemic because when adults wear masks, you know, children learn to speak by watching your—they read your lips. lips. They literally watch your lips. And, and and children learn emotional expression and facial cues all the way up to age twelve. And so we're seeing this developmental delay, speech delays, uh and I think we're gonna continue to see that. And and it's difficult because as parents, we're in a world where it's like okay we're, we're trying to manage illness we're trying to manage and make sure that we're staying healthy.
2: Maybe elderly parents elderly yeah. parents
3: yeah. you know and so we gotta we want to manage really well and be wise about how we're navigating the world around us but at the same time we also know that some of the ways that we do that are also hindering and so it's like how do we balance that and I think it really begins with us as parents we've got to be able to find someone we can talk to we've got yeah. to limit our the, the new sources, the the, the fear that comes in through news sources, we've got to limit that around our kids. You know, of course, it's important to watch what's happening in the world. But if you don't have a way, if you don't have an outlet for yourself as a parent, as an adult that will come back into you whether you realize it or not. There is a trickle-down effect of fear in your home from you, the parent. And so I think it starts with us, the parents. I think we've got to be able to have people we can talk to before we talk to our kids about it.
2: Yeah, no, that's so good. I'm thinking of uh, Jean, my wonderful wife, who once said to me, because I'm in the role here at Focus. I know things are going on in the culture. I'm reading a lot of reports that come to me mm-hmm. and so I'd come home and you know I'd be talking with Jean about it and the boys maybe at dinner saying hey boys what do you guys think mm-hmm. and Jean had to say you know Jim you might you might want to yeah. you know I think you're filling the kids with fear talking mm-hmm. about all the wrong things that are going on in the country right now yeah. and that did that helped me to arrest uh, my overzealousness <laughs> yeah because the kids were there like there's no hope in that Yes. And I think yeah. that'd be a great caution for a lot of Christian parents right now. Yes. With all of the things going on, we've got to allow the idea that the Lord is in control here, everybody. Well, and
3: if I can say it, like, I just think now is the opportunity more than ever for us to, as, as adults to, and Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, to experience joy and to show people right. hope. That, I mean... That's if the thing, not not too. Yeah. I mean, truly. <laughs> yeah. and, and to exude that in our home. So, we're huge about the atmosphere of our home, paying attention to the mm-hmm. atmosphere of our home. Is it, is, do we experience a spirit of fear, or are we exuding a spirit of joy, a spirit of peace, mm-hmm. you know, by playing worship music, or by even the way that we're interacting with one another and how mm-hmm. we're transferring that to our kids? And so that's huge because, you know, there's a lot of times I'll, I'll ask our kids, you know, what are you worried about or what's, you know, wh- what are you feeling today? And it might be like, oh, I'm really worried, dad, or I'm really sad. And we're like, you know, in inside I'm going, okay, what's going on? What's going on? And then you're like, oh, wow, that's all that it is. Okay. So, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm not yeah. minimizing it, but you realize the worries that they're carrying often aren't what we think. Yeah. And if we lead with what we think it might be, what you're doing is you're planting a, a bigger seed of worry in their brain right. than what they're really worried about. And it's unnecessary.
2: You no, know, I so appreciate that. And it was great, Gene. Just call me out on that.
1: And that's how we concluded a great conversation with Dr. Josh and Christy Straub on today's episode of Focus on the Family. And I do hope you were encouraged to lean in and have some really important conversations with your child. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller.